Let me give you uh, a little bit of, of how this is going to work today. Uh, so th we're here to just answer your questions. Uh, what are, there's no question that's out of bounds. There's no question that you can't ask. And what happens is if you'll text your question in to 901-295-0099, it, it, hopefully at some point it'll pop up on the screen and we'll give you an answer. So uh, here's your chance. I don't see any of y'all putting phones out, so this could go really quickly. Okay, here we go. So here is the first question. I want to get more out of reading the Bible. Where do I start? Okay, I'll be happy to start. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, start in Genesis. And actually, if you'll start in the Old Testament, in the, in the book of the law, in Leviticus, and just read through those crazy names, that's a great place to start. I'm just kidding. That's a terrible place to start. Uh, I heard Adrian Rogers say this all the time uh, whenever someone would come to know Jesus, that he would tell them to start in the Gospel of John. Uh, to start in John, because John wrote a, little bit, wrote a little bit differently than some of the other uh, apostles uh, in, in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, he encouraged people to start in John. And I, I use that same thing. I tell people to start in John, and the same thing that he would say. There's going to be some things you don't understand, but there will be more things that you do understand. The more you do, that you do understand, you'll start to understand the things that you don't understand. Understand? Uh, and so the big thing is to just start. And so I would say encourage you to start there. But there are multiple Bible reading plans uh, that you can jump into. Uh, multiple of those are online. If you have trouble finding some of those, we're happy to help you find one. Uh, but the big thing is to just start. You don't have to get into some long study if you're just kind of getting into it. Uh, but just spending any time in the Word, uh, any time in the word is going to edify you and uh, encourage you along the way. Guys, do you have anything else to add that? I do. I'll add to the, the Bible reading plans. I really enjoy the Bible app. On, yeah, I'm sure you all have seen it. It's shaped like a little Bible. If you just look up Bible in the app store, you'll find it. And they've got a ton of reading plans. One of my favorites is the, uh, the chronological plan, where it basically walks you through the Bible in chronological order. So it'll skip around different books. But that's been really helpful for me also, just to get the full picture of the story of God from Genesis uh, to Revelation. But they do a great job of laying that out. And it really helps me just from a you know, from a biblical knowledge standpoint, know what's happening and when it happened and where it all lined up. Yeah, I'd say, so the question is, I want to get more out of reading. So I think um, something that has helped me, first, first off, is just praying. So this isn't just a, uh, a dead book or a book that, you know, you read through once and it is what it is. Uh, this is a living, a living word. So uh, I would recommend uh, praying first, uh, asking the Spirit, what do you want me to take out of this? What do you want me to, uh, to see from your Word? So who is God? Uh, you know, how can I apply this to my life? But uh, another one that's helped me too is, and you probably have heard it before, but the uh, uh, read big, meditate small. Uh, so reading big is like, it's kind of like, uh, I think it was Piper uh, said, you know, as you're flying over the United States, you know, you can, you can get a, as you're flying over Florida, you can get a big view of like, wow, it's beautiful down there. Like, you know, you, you see all the different lands, but, uh, so you get a, a broad overview of what Florida looks like, but you don't know what an orange from Florida tastes like. So that's the meditate small. So, uh, so read big is read lots of scripture, saturate yourself in scripture and, and trust that the Lord is going to, uh, do something from that. Cause like I said, it is a, a living word and then meditate small. That just means, taste the orange. So taste what's in scripture. You know, uh, pick one word that the Spirit's trying to bring out from, uh, from scripture and then just pray on that. Even if it's one word or one phrase, um, that's, that's helped me a lot. So, 
Yeah, I guess the, the only thing I'd add to the, but I'll, I'm going to ask this question, but I do want to add real quick. It, the last question says, you know, what, what I want to get more out of reading the Bible. I know for me, it was transformative to, I know I, growing up in the South, you're always expected to study the Bible. Um, and so you got, what are you doing for your Bible study? And it was a breath of fresh air when I realized that I didn't have to only study it, that it's okay to just read it. Like it's okay to just read the Bible. So I would say for people that are struggling to study the Bible, don't study it. Just read it. Like it's okay to just read the Bible. It's kind of like we talk a lot about the, the Seinfeld effect, right? Does anyone in here read or watch Seinfeld? It's one of my favorite shows, right? So something happens throughout the day that reminds you of, some, of a Seinfeld episode you've seen, right? And you quote it to your friend and laugh about it, right? The reason that's the case is because you've seen Seinfeld so much that it just reminds you of stuff, right? What if Scripture did the same thing? What if you had read Scripture so much that you were so familiar with it, not because you've studied it, because you just read it a lot, that you have the Seinfeld effect, but instead of coming up with something Elaine said, it's something that Apostle Paul said, right? So imagine, what, imagine if you could do that, right? So, so that's what I recommend for people is just read the Bible. Just get in the habit of just reading it and then study it later. Because as, as Matt Chandler says, that if you study the Bible without reading it, you usually create heresy. So don't do that. So uh, get, focus on reading it first uh, and then study it. So, all right, so our second question, speaking of reading the Bible, what is your favorite Bible verse? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that one. Uh, we're about to hit. I'm going to say it first because I imagine someone else is going to say it also. But we're heading there in our uh, our our sermon series through Ephesians. But Ephesians two four talking about uh, you know the first part of Ephesians two talks about us being dead in our trespasses and sins. Uh, but Ephesians four, uh, the two best words in Scripture, are but God. Uh, it says, but God being rich in mercy with the great love with you, which with you loved us, made us alive together uh, in Christ. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about being saved by grace. But uh, I would go with that part of Ephesians, really that whole Ephesians 2 for me. Uh, I wouldn't say favorite verse, but favorite chapter. It's just so rich and it's such a good picture of uh, the gospel bringing us from death to life. Yeah, I'll, uh, that, that's, that's fantastic. We, we do love that verse, uh, the, those sets of verses. Mine that I have used over and over again, there was a time in my life that was just like life was crumbling around me and just crashing in on me. Um, uh, it was back in um, uh, early 2000s, and uh, I went, someone sent me to, uh, excuse me, Philippians chapter 4, uh, and I, I just want to read it to you because I just... You just need to hear this. It starts by saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known among men, among everyone. The Lord is at hand. And then these are the verses that uh, really I prayed. I can't tell you the countless times that I woke up in the middle of the night and prayed these verses. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And I claimed those verses. I, I said, Lord, you said these are true, and if you said these are true, then I'm going to believe that they're true, and it literally over a long period of time helped me kind of really survive uh, that very difficult time in my life. All right, while, uh, while PJ is uh, looking at his brand new Bible, um, I'll say mine is uh, John 3, 16. No, it's, um, so that's a good one. It's a good one. But no, my favorite uh, verse that actually the Lord put on my heart early on is John 15, 5, which is, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him he is that he bears much fruit, and apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Um, and so this is something, a verse that God gave me very, very early on in my Christian walk. Um, actually, my email address a long time was blake155 at gmail.com, you know, because of that. Because when you're a young Christian, it has to be part of your email address if you want to claim to be a Christian, right? So, um, but, uh, but it's, it's really cool because God has actually been using that a lot over, especially over the last two years, uh, just that thought of abiding in Christ. That uh, especially as a pastor, I do a lot of work for Jesus, but I remember that Jesus doesn't want just my work. He wants my relationship. He wants me. He wants me to abide in him because he loves me. And so that's something the Lord's really been teaching me uh, that uh, hasn't quite gotten through my thick head yet, but he's working on it and he's working on me. Um, But it's a really cool verse and just to see how it's morphed over the years and uh, how God's allowing me to approach it as he um, helps my heart season in those very rich words of Jesus. All right, so for mine, I've told the uh, students this, and I, I can't remember if I brought it up in the sermon, but uh, mine actually came from something I was forced to memorize uh, in a, uh, it was another youth ministry thing. I went with uh, one of my friends, and he's like, hey, if you memorize this verse, uh, you get a candy. I was like, I'm going to memorize it, or it was, it was a, some kind of prize, and I think it, I think it was candy. Anyway, uh, so I memorized it just in time. You know, I was like, I'll, I'll memorize it, dump it, um, but I'll get the candy. Well, it ended up sticking with me and just like, I think like you were alluding to, like so many different times throughout uh, my life, it, it came back up and was so applicable. And it, that's Isaiah 40, uh, 31. It says, uh, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And then the other one is, uh, I know I'm, you're getting double. Yeah. No, no, I'm doing Sizz. Change it. It's too good. I have to read it. I'm sorry. It's it's and this actually uh, probably will answer the first. Uh, if you know, if you want to get more out of reading the Bible, I would highly, highly recommend the Psalms as well. Going back to the Psalms because it, it means easy. It's poetic, um, and that's uh, Psalm 23. Uh, this is one that just man. Every time I read it, so I'm, I'm going to read it. If that's okay. Actually, I don't care. I'm going to read it either way. <laughs> Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There you go. Sure. Cool. All right, next one. Uh, When do I pray when I have nothing to say? What do I pray? Maybe I should learn to read. muted me. That was on purpose. Uh, this is just a, excuse me, a practical uh, answer to that. Uh, I mean, obviously, sometimes it, it helps just to not say anything and just uh, be silent. Um, uh, sometimes it's j- just thank God for who he is or who Jesus is to you. Um, but I would say just from a practical standpoint, open the Bible. Uh, what, like what Paul just said, go to a psalm and just read the psalm and pray the psalms. Like that's a an exercise that I've been trying to do over the last few years is read one of the, the psalms and just pray what, what the author was saying to God. A lot of the psalms are a prayer to God. Uh, and so that's just a practical thing. Start, you know, I'm, I just opened this up, and here I am at Psalms 18. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. I love you, O Lord, my 
O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. I mean, that's a prayer. You can pray the Psalms um, and then just thank God for what, what the Bible's saying about him uh, because it's true, and it's true for us. Yeah, I would say as well, uh, sometimes when you don't have something to say is the best time just to hear from the Lord. Many times I know I've found myself, and you probably found yourself going just with your long list of things that you need from God, you want from God, you expect Him to do, and you kind of cover your list. But many times we just need to stop and be quiet, be silent, and just listen. Listen to the voice of God. Listen for the voice of God. Listen to what the Spirit is actually telling you or calling you to do or, or leading you into or just giving you some rest. There are, our, our lives are so busy with uh, noise and uh, we're inundated with uh, uh, visual things from our phones to our TVs just, to just life around us. Sometimes just getting with the Lord and being quiet and being silent with him and just say, here I am, Lord. What do you have to say to me? That's a great way to just spend some time with him. How many elders have there been since the refuge began? Be who, what are the elders accountable to as a whole in regard to their shepherding of the refuge? Uh, so the first one, how many elders have there been since the refuge began? Uh, so... Uh, Scott was the first elder uh, when we planted Refuge Church. Uh, we merged with another church. Basically, we blew up two churches and started a new church. I don't recommend a church merger. Uh, if you're thinking about one, holler at us. We've got some, some ideas. The first one is don't do it. Um, <laughs> uh, and so there were two, two elders when we merged with uh, the other church, and then I came on as the third elder, uh, and then the other pastor left to uh, do other things. And so there were two of us for a while. We added Blake uh, in 2017 and then Paul last week. So uh, f- one to four. So we're at four now. Uh, and it's a, it's a growing body. It's one of those things that we, we pray that the Lord continues to grow our team of elders. Um, and who or what are the el- elders accountable to as a whole regarding of, to their shepherding of refuge? Maybe I want that one. Yeah, yeah. I think honestly, obviously, first we're accountable to the Lord, right? Because He calls us into this. It's the Lord who qualifies us into this. That He gives qualifications of the Scripture for what an elder should be. Uh, and so, first off, we're uh, uh, accountable to Him, and then honestly, we're accountable to one another because uh, this office of eldership is uh, one that that you're examined on. There's a long examination period. One of the things that we said last week, uh, as as we were ordaining Paul, PJ. Uh, is that there's a long ramp on to eldership here and a short ramp off. Well, that's a long time of examination to go, hey, does your life line up with what the Scriptures call you to do, what the Scriptures call you to be? And so that's part of that being held uh, uh, accountable to one another. And then throughout the, uh, th- just throughout the, the, our, the uh, time of being an elder, we're just accountable to one another. And, and that happens a lot. It's, it doesn't happen publicly a lot. Uh, but a lot of times privately it happens with, with, within the elder body where we confess sin to one another, we uh, encourage one another in our walk with the Lord, and so we're accountable to one another. And honestly, then we're accountable to the church as well. I always say because we're here at Refuge and you know we don't take votes and we don't take church-wide votes on things and elders decide things, but I always say that people vote with their feet, people vote with their pocketbooks, and they go, hey man, we don't trust you guys anymore, and so people walk 
walk out the door. People, you know, just decide to go elsewhere when they choose not to uh, uh, trust their elders. But at, at the same time, we always welcome uh, feedback from everybody in the church or even if you feel like we're in error over things, then we welcome that to go, hey, man, I don't think I agree with you in this. Uh, and so we want you to bring those things to us. So that's, that's kind of the way we view it. Yeah, I agree. And then scripture, that's, uh, it's all going to point back to scripture. So uh, like Scott said too, like we're all friends, uh, but we do ultimately, we take this very, very seriously. We take the word very seriously. And so uh, that hat comes off as soon as we've got a matter that we need to, we need to go to scripture about, like we can have as much fun and joke around as much as possible, but uh, we do take this, uh, take scripture very seriously. Um, and then I will say like kind of a behind the scenes sort of like there are other pastors that speak in from around the, uh, uh, around the Memphis area, uh, Arkansas. We've got some other pastors that um, are speaking into our lives that we're, you know, uh, that are keeping us accountable to a certain degree. Um, and then, like I said, uh, I mean, y'all are our priority. Uh, so, um, you know, you keep us in check as well. Who wants to take this one? That's a good one. I'll ask the question. <laughs> Why are we no longer singing Hillsong songs, Paul? <laughs> Uh, well, also when it comes to music, you know, it's one of the things we take very serious because we're essentially preaching through the songs we are preaching. And so there's a lot of really good music out there. Uh, specifically, we're, you know, we're talking about churches like Hillsong. I'll, I'll add Bethel to that. Both churches have amazingly gifted musicians that just write really incredible music. Uh, what, and we constantly are discussing, all right, is the music we're playing, is it aligning with what we believe and what we teach? Uh, but then we also have to say, are these churches that write these songs, are, do they align? And so when those things get out of balance, we have to talk through, all right, what, what is the message we're portraying when we sing their songs? Um, and so for, for Bethel and for Hillsong specifically, uh, especially Bethel really getting off kind of off of the rails when it comes to um, just theology and some things that we would say the church has deemed as heresy, uh, one of those being that uh, Jesus wasn't fully God when he became human. And so by us singing their songs, the songs may be perfectly fine, and some of them are really good. Um, if some, a good example is someone new walks into Refuge, a new Christian, and they see that, all right, because we put who wrote the song where we have to do that. Eric's really good about making sure we're in compliance with all of our licensing stuff. Um, let me go see what that church believes. And they start pulling up sermons by that church. And uh, some of that stuff's just way off base. And so we made a decision as an elder team to uh, not play those songs. Again, we're always discussing that, and uh, there's going to be other songs that come through, and we have to look and say, what does this church believe? And by us singing those songs, we're actually financially supporting those churches through the licensing piece. Um, that's kind of a long-winded answer, but it became a matter of wisdom and a matter of conscience for us. Yeah, that's all I would add is that, you know, we don't, we don't think that if you listen to, to Hillsong or Bethel or any of those others, you know, on your Spotify playlist that you're living in sin and the elders are going to come knocking at your door and rebuke you. Well, we might do that, but, um, but uh, no, not for that anyway. So, uh, but no, that, it's okay. But yeah, because we, we, we hold what we do at a Sunday gathering um, very highly. And so we want to make sure that we're guarding that well. And, and for a long time, we kind of took a don't throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of approach where, you know, yeah, this church might be doing something, but the, the song itself stands on its own two legs. Um, so again, we don't believe it was a sin issue. It just came down to a matter of conscience that uh, we had other people from within the church body speaking into it. it just came to a point where uh, our consciousness no longer allowed us to do that. So again, not a sin issue, just 
we decided uh, the spirit brought uniformity among the elders that we just decided that there's so much so much other good music out there that does again point people to Jesus let's focus on that music without having to put an asterisk next to all the songs that we're singing all right so the next question is what role do women play in the church as in baptizing or pastoring or serving Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm happy to talk about this. I, I, I say it's one of the things that the church has failed in uh, historically is uh, empowering women in the church. Uh, uh, many times women have been uh, deemed to be second-class citizens in the church. And pretty much if you can serve in children's ministry and you can serve coffee and that's about all we need from you, that, that has been historically uh, my um, uh, view into a lot of women's ministry. Uh, and so whenever we planted refuge, one of the things that we wanted to do was, like Jesus did uh, in the scriptures, uh, he went to women a lot. Women are very prominent in the New Testament. Uh, uh, and, and so we, we wanted to uh, raise that bar some for our, our wives and our sisters uh, to, to give them every opportunity possible. And so the thing that we say here for refuge is women can serve in any capacity if you're qualified other than elder. We think the the uh, scripture is very clear that elder is reserved for uh, male-only uh, uh, office. But other than that, uh, we love the fact that our women can serve in any capacity. If you want to, we've had women baptize other friends here. Uh, we think that's beautiful. We, we're not the people that have to baptize people. We love to see people who talk to people about Jesus and led people to Jesus get in the water with them and baptize them. And so we love to baptize people, but man, we love to see a friend do that as well. A serving, there's literally no place that you can't serve as a female here in at Refuge again, other than elder. And then pastoring is one of those things that, uh, uh, so pastor elder we kind of hold in the same in the same vein uh, in the same uh, uh, kind of office if you will uh, and so we would say that uh, we would not probably ordain a woman as pastor here at refuge yeah we, I mean the, we, we believe scripture um, that the word elder and um, overseer and pastor are actually synonyms yeah. so they mean the same thing so yeah there's not a difference between an elder and a pastor yeah. scripturally Next question, I guess. <laughs> uh, so the next question, what, what is your favorite podcast to listen to for spiritual growth? Favorite podcast to listen to for fun? Uh, I would say for mine, I'll take the last one. My favorite podcast to listen to for fun is this one called The Happy Rant. And uh, the reason I like that one is because they, they, uh, it's three guys. Uh, two of them are pastors. One of them is actually uh, Barnabas Piper, John Piper's son. And uh, they just make fun of Reformed World, which is awesome. Uh, so uh, they kind of poke fun at all the things that Christians do, uh, kind of very tongue-in-cheek. So if you know me, that's kind of my humor. Uh, I would say that's one, that's one of the uh, podcasts that I listen to uh, pretty regularly is uh, called The Happy Rant. So I'll take the fun one if you all want to take the serious godly one. Uh, let's see. Gideon, what do you think my favorite one is? Oh, come on. We've talked about it. All right. Uh, I would say it's not really a podcast, but, uh, Solid Joys, uh, by John Piper. Uh, so this is a, uh, five minute devotional, uh, every morning. And man, it is just, it's a, I, that's like probably a good place to start to if you're, uh, if you haven't read the Bible in a while, you want to, I would highly, highly recommend it. He has, um, just like one verse, one short verse, there's like soft piano playing in the background, so it makes it more spiritual, you know. And uh, he just has a good, very short commentary, great way to start the morning. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably my, my favorite one to listen. I'm sorry? 
Uh, it's called Solid Joys uh, by John Piper, or Desiring God, Solid Joys, yep. Yeah, I would say, uh, I, I don't listen to them often, but if you haven't listened to this, uh, just in the history of us being part of Acts 29, uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill is fascinating. Uh, it, and so it, that's, a, that's just a good one to jump on and listen to if you want to listen to some history of Mars Hill Church and Acts 29 and then kind of what happened with that whole saga. Uh, there's another one I thought of, too. Uh, so for news, there's one called The Pour Over, uh, and that is a uh, very basic five-minute, I think it's like, what, five, five to ten-minute, uh, just big news events. But at the end of every event, they, um, they have, like, a, a short scripture and kind of, like, how we should look at it uh, from a Christian worldview. So I've been enjoying that one. And then if you want a more in-depth, uh, long-form, I uh, highly recommend uh, The Briefing by Albert Moeller. Uh, he kind of goes, I mean, this guy just reads, reads, and reads. Um, uh, he, just, he reads a ton and uh, has a lot of good uh, biblical insight into current events. So that's another one I'd recommend. Yeah, if anybody has anything for Paul to do, uh, it sounds like he's got a lot of time on his hands. So, uh. <laughs> As a youth pastor, you just, yeah, you work Sundays, that's I it. I don't have anything to add to that. We'll go. Oh, here we go. I'm going to read this one, and I'm going to let Blake answer. What is the simplest way to explain the Trinity to a new believer? Uh, the simple answer is there's no simple answer. So, um, yeah. So, uh, has, anyone, has anyone ever tried to use analogies to explain the, uh, explain the Trinity? What are some analogies you all heard before? The water one, right? So it's so there's water, but it it is uh, so it's, sometimes it's it's steam, sometimes it's ice, sometimes it's liquid. So what's the problem with that analogy? That's modalism, right? So we don't believe that God is. Sometimes He's the Son, sometimes He's the Father, sometimes He's a Spirit. We believe that He is three persons in one simultaneously, right? So uh, so while the water one can be helpful, any of these analogies might be helpful. Like there's one with an egg, there's one with uh, light. There's uh, there's other ones out there. While they can be helpful, they very quickly fall apart because they because um, they don't truly explain what He is. Because here's the thing: who in here truly understands what the God, what the Trinity is? None of y'all do, except for me. And uh, so, yeah, no, no, nobody, it, it's, it's one of those things. It's one of the things like we read in De- Deuteronomy where God says un- unfathomable are his ways, right? So there are certain things that our tiny human brains just can't comprehend, and the Trinity is one of those things. So we believe that God, that there is one Godhead, so we're not polytheists. We don't believe in three different gods, but he is uh, expressed in three different persons who are co-equal in authority, co-equal in godness and, uh, and divinity. And you even see um, evidence of that, like back in... Um, um, Genesis 1, when it says, let us do these things. You even see this Trinity speaking in plurality sometimes throughout the scriptures. So, um, so the answer is, what is the simplest way to explain the Trinity to a new believer? Uh, I would just talk about, <laughs> I don't know. There's really not a simple way to do that. Uh, but I would just focus in on what the Trinity has done through us through the work of Jesus. So if it's a new believer, focus in on who they are and their identity in Christ. And, uh, and then trust that the Spirit who is also part of the Trinity, is going to do his work in helping them uh, with whatever understanding he chooses to lead them to have. So, uh, so you don't need to get in the weeds of trying to exp- uh, have them do a you know, whiteboard drawing of the Trinity. Focus on who they are in Christ and trust that the Spirit's going to do his work from there, which I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but that's really where you got to go with it. So. I got to go. This I'm real excited about. Uh, in fact, if you go to Young Avenue Deli, I accidentally kind of accidentally vandalized one of their uh, digital menus because I was explaining this to someone, and I start writing it out, and so it's on there. Hopefully it helps. Anyway, uh, so 
what Blake said, I'm just going to add on to that. So one way that's helped me uh, is, so we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, right? So uh, the Father, it's three A's next to it. So the Father uh, appoints, so what the Father says will happen, will happen. Uh, the Son accomplished, so Jesus accomplished it perfectly, and then the Spirit applies. So the Spirit is the one who's applying it in our lives. So the, uh, the Father appoints, says it's going to happen, uh, the Spirit, or excuse me, the, uh, the Son accomplished, it's finished, and then the Spirit applies. I just thought that was helpful. Yeah, that's good. And I would even encourage you in your language to speak in that language of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It just helps to, uh, uh, to, rem- to remind ourselves it's just good language and good vernacular to use uh, just to remind people that all these, all these uh, pe- pieces of the Godhead are God. Uh, there's not a junior member of the Trinity. There's not, you know, this, this Holy Spirit is not some forgotten, you know, all, you know, he's not the guy that's kind of left over and, okay, now you go to your work or whatever. He, he's always been at work just like the rest of the Godhead. Okay, uh, I'll ask the question. What can we do to trust God even during tough times? Uh, okay, so uh, what can we do to trust God uh, even during tough so, I think the biggest thing is it's going to sound like a cop-out answer, but just knowing uh, that it's true, that, that God's Word is true, that He's true. Um, man, there's, and I've talked to the students about this too, there's so many different distractions, there's so many different things that we think are uh, even facts that are proven wrong later. Um, so where can we go for truth? Where can we go uh, to know uh, through all these confusing times what is true? And that's, that's Scripture. So uh, what can we do? That's kind of what can we do to trust God is that knowing um, out of everything that's going on that this is truth. So what he says in here, he offers hope, he offers life. Uh, we cling to those things and know even when our circumstances aren't, uh, you know, necessarily the best or uh, what the world is telling us to do, um, we just, we trust that, that God's word is true and we will find out one day that it is true ultimately. Yeah, I would say if any anybody has uh, experienced tough times, this church has experienced tough times, uh, and so one of the things that I would say is uh, um, uh, surround yourself with other believers uh, to encourage you because in the middle of my own sorrow, sometimes it's just hard to get past the next minute or two, uh, and so I needed other people. Some I needed all of you, the way you came and loved and cared for us to remind me of the goodness of God, to remind me of the kindness of the Lord, to remind me of how kind he is to put you in my life. And so, uh, so just not, uh, uh, don't, don't isolate yourself. Try to find some other people to be with. Uh, that, helped, that helped bolster my faith in the middle of tough times. Yeah, what I'll add is kind of what um, PJ said, which is, uh, do you, by the way, should we answer the question, do you want us to call you PJ? That's fine. Okay. Henceforth, he is P.J. Degas. So, um, so what he said, you know, if you believe that the Scripture is true, then we can believe that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. Uh, and so one of the things that helps me during these times is remembering what he wrote uh, in, uh, in Romans chapter 8. So I'm just going to read it, which is 26 to 28. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. So that kind of answers a little bit of that question we answered earlier, right? And then he continues, and he who searches hearts knows what, uh, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we will know that for those who love God and all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his 
his purpose. So we, we know that the Spirit isn't, we're not alone in those hard times. We know that the Spirit is interceding for us in that moment. And we know that God promises to, to work these things out for good, uh, even though we might not understand what it works out. Now, I understand that sometimes that can be weaponized and told people to stop feeling those feelings because we know it's going to be for good. But don't forget about the, the beginning part of that verse. So we know that the reason it's good is because God is at work in that and God is there interceding for us on his behalf. So that's always been very helpful for me in those, uh, in those moments. I got one more. So uh, just a real practical thing you can do as well is uh, journal. So uh, keep a journal and look back at when God has brought you through something. So that's, that's helped me tremendously where um, it, the journal, yes, but also just remembering. We see it in Genesis so often, you know, remember and that God has already done it before and he'll do it again. So, uh, but it's really cool to have something just to look back on and be like, wow, he brought me through that before. Uh, what's to say he's not going to do it again because he will. And I'll just add one last thing there. It, I think it's helpful to also remind ourselves who God is. In the middle of our sorrow, it's easy to say, God is the one that let me down. God's the one that caused this. Uh, and, and you've got to fight against believing a lie. And if, if you know, you know, we've already mentioned going to Scripture, we're in the middle of the, the beginning and the end in here. And at the beginning, things were perfect, things fell, and things are bad, and there's death. And that's where we are. But the end of it is where there's hope where Jesus comes back. And he, in Revelation 21, 4, it says he'll wipe every tear from the eye and death shall be no more. We're not there yet, but the hope that that's coming will help us trust that what God says is true. But right now we're kind of in the already, not yet. All right, here we go. Where does the church stand on therapy and mental health? Is going to therapy Christian? Yeah, so, yeah, actually, you know, I've talked a lot. <laughs> so when I asked you if you want to answer it and you said yes, the answer was no. Okay, okay. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, so where does the church stand on uh, therapy, mental health? Um, is, going to Christian therapy, is going to therapy Christian? I'll say I hope so because I go to therapy, uh, but, uh, but I believe... Uh, that, um, I mean, the way I see Christian counselors, like there's, uh, there's some that are very helpful. There's one that I go to as a couple's counselor. There's ones we, I go to personally, uh, that they, they themselves are Christians. And, uh, and here's kind of my own personal take on that is that, um, God, we are wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully made knitted together in our mother's womb, right? So God also knitted together our brains and our neurons and the chemicals that make those work. So a lot of times, you know, people might ask, you know, well, should you pray for this to go away, or for your depression to go away, or should you take medicine? And I would say, maybe it's a both and. And I'm not sure. And that's why we need to talk to doctors who are able to help us do these things. And um, but I, I, speaking from personal experience, um, that, you know, I, over the last couple of years, have battled with depression personally. And therapists, Christian-based therapists who help me point to chemistry and biology, but also to scripture, has been incredibly helpful for me. Um, and so I know there's been a lot of um, kind of taboos around going to therapy, and it might make you look weak, but just like I just read, you know, it's a lot of times in our weakness, God is made strong, right? So we know that it's okay to admit that you're weak, because Jesus sometimes allows us to, to work through those weaknesses to show us our need for him, and sometimes you need a therapist to help, you, help get you there, to show you our need for Jesus in those moments, or sometimes prescribe you medicine if that's what you need too. So, so sometimes it's a both and, uh, but I would encourage you to, to talk to therapies. Uh, talk, talk to a therapist uh, if that's something you need to do. And, and of course, our elders, our, our pastors, that, that's actually care that we offer as well, that if you need someone to talk to, we offer pastoral counseling as part of uh, membership at the refuge. But I will say, if the water gets above our heads, which sometimes it does, we're going to refer you to some, uh, to some other licensed therapists who are able to help you in specific areas, whether it's addiction or marriage issues or whatever that is. Uh, we're going to get you in contact with some other people that might be able to help beyond what we're able to do. Uh, but all that to say, we believe that it is Christian. We believe that um, it is something that the Lord has put in place for as a good thing. And uh, we believe that a lot of people need it. And uh, we want you to get the help that you need. 
Yeah, I'll also say that, um, and we, we were just talking about this recently as well, that, you know, God is, we believe that God is sovereign over the brain and that there's, there's this completely, uh, I'd, I'd say almost untapped uh, world of mental health that it, it's so important. But, um, you know, as we continue to move forward in science and learn all these things, we know that, that God, he already knows all these things. So he already knows all the little intricacies of your brain and, um, and you know, that, that friend that you think is unreachable, uh, because of uh, something with a, a mental health issue, uh, God's sovereign and can save that person too. So that's, a, I would say, the church's stance on it. Yep. All right, does it matter what Bible version I read? The elect standard version? Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> I'll let somebody else take that. Uh, not, not really. Uh, for the most part, uh, it, it really doesn't matter which one you read. We just want you to read it. Uh, if you find one that you'll read and read it, we, we want you to read it. We typically preach out of the ESV. That's our standard go-to for the most part. Uh, and so uh, the biggest thing is if you've got a Bible that you'll pick up and, and, and intake from the Word of God, then by all means read it. I'm going to disagree a little bit. I will say it does matter on some versions. Well, yeah, I would, there, I would, yeah. Yeah, because there are some squirrely versions that's out true. there. Yeah, so. Okay, um, that's fair. Yeah, so if you have questions about it, we'll be happy to lead you to some of the ones we trust. But I would say the vast majority of them are fine. They're just different translations and stuff. But there are some squirrely ones out there that we can give you a list if you need <laughs> one. So, yeah. If you have questions, ask us. We may or may not know. I, I like, uh, in my daily reading plan, I like the Christian Standard Bible. It's uh, relatively new and a little more plain English. 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 <laughs> I don't know that. That's in one of Blake's squirrely You're gonna translations. You're going to go hunt wabbits? The English Standard Version. <laughs> uh, uh, but when I'm reading, like, my daily plan and I'm just trying to read. Y'all are off. Y'all. Look at this question. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Hang on, you're jumping ahead of me. Golly, it's coming off the rails. Uh, I, I actually like reading the message some when I'm trying to get through, especially Older Testament. Uh, if I'm in Job and I'm reading the ESV, I can get a little bit uh, kind of lost. And so I'll switch over to the message just to help me kind of get through what's going on in this. Uh, but if I'm, if I'm doing, like, kind of like what Blake just said, if I'm doing some deep study, maybe planning uh, for a sermon, it might be helpful for, for me to go to a more... A word-for-word translation like the ESV um, or the English Standard Version. Uh, how could, you want me to go on to the next one, or do you have something to add? I was just going to say, there's also something online uh, where you can see if you're if you're trying to decide which one to read. You can there's a uh, one side's literal, and uh, I forgot what the other. It's like. Yeah, it's just like, uh, or thematic maybe, I can't remember, but it's showing you, you know, one, like the word-for-word -word translations versus more ideas, which I would say is like the message is on this side, uh, and I think the ESV does line up, and personally, that's what, as far as readability, which the CSB is good for that, uh, but ESV is a good literal uh, and readable translation, but it's, like Scott said, read them all, not all, most. How can I become a deacon or an elder, and do you have to wear plaid? Uh, yeah, yes, Scott, we need to talk. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I would say I'll answer the, I'll start on the deacon elder question. Uh, I, I think first and foremost, it, it is a calling, uh, especially elder. Uh, it, in First Timothy 3, it says to those who are called to the office of elder. So uh, it's more of a calling. We, we trust that the Spirit is going to call people to that. And then at that point is when we get into the, uh, the qualifications and where we really step in. Uh, and I would say even the same for deacon, and that's just kind of a short answer, and I'll hand it over to you all. 
Yeah, I would say as far as a deacon goes, deacons are servants. That's why deacons were ever appointed in the first place, uh, was to be a servant, uh, to really take some time and some weight off of the elders uh, at the time to give them some more time to pray and to study, uh, to preach. Um, and so uh, how do you become a deacon here? Start serving. Just, just serve and begin to find places. If you see a need, meet the need. Uh, that's what most of our, el- our, our most of our deacons, that's how they became deacons in the first place because they were already doing the work and we just recognized what they were doing. And, and so that's, uh, that's the big thing. And then el- back to eldership. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those things that if you sense the spirit is calling you into eldership, uh, then, then present yourself to the elders and go, hey, I, I believe God may be calling me to eldership. And then we start the long process with you. And, and so just because these four guys are sitting up here, these aren't the only guys that have ever entered into eldership. Other people have entered into eldership and aren't sitting up here with us at this point. And, and so uh, because it is a high calling and there is a long process, uh, some people end up sitting here like P.J., or uh, some people, you know, don't end up qualifying themselves to, uh, to hold the office. Yeah, as I was say, this one's kind of a, uh, one that's near and dear to my heart. I think, I think plaid is probably <laughs> a, I would say not a requirement, but it's, it's, I would say open-handed. It's, it's kind of a halfway closed hand. Yeah. I mean, the one thing we do disagree on is beards. Um, the longer, the longer the beard, the more theologically sound you are. This got off the rails. I'm not wearing plaid, and I don't have a beard. <laughs> it's been nice knowing you. <laughs> yeah. Are you qualified? I don't know. We'll find out. All right. What does it look like to be a missionary in my context? Uh, my context. Uh, what if my work doesn't allow it? Okay, I'll, I'll, t- I'll start this a little bit. Uh, yeah, so it looks different in everybody's context. So I don't know who asked this, so I can't specifically answer what it looks like in your context. Uh, but in, I'm assuming this next question is uh, giving a little bit of insight into that. What if my work doesn't allow it? Well, your work may not allow you to proselytize or just, you know, openly uh, share the gospel with people. But your work does allow you to love and care for people. Your work does allow you to serve people. Your work does allow you to invite your coworker over to your home uh, or out to lunch or something like that. And so uh, that's, I've, I've found myself in not necessarily this particular context, but just in a place where I'm like, how do I serve people? What do I do here? What, what's my next thing? How do I uh, show that, that Jesus loves people? And I just started serving people. And I just started doing some things, throwing the trash away or taking somebody's plate for them and, and putting it in the trash after lunch, just small things to begin to love and care for people that, uh, to be honest with you, many people in our society just don't do today, uh, kind of separates you and makes you a little bit different and, and says, hey, there's something different about this guy or this girl, and it may spur a conversation that somebody asks you about. But those are just little tangible ways that we love and care for people is a good starting point to uh, a next conversation of, hey, why are you doing that for me? Oh, let me tell you. Yeah, I'd say with, um, <clears throat> I, I've been in context before overseas where it was literally illegal to, to proselytize and to talk about it. So, but I will say um, it's never illegal to answer a question. 
Um, and so I will say that you can, if, if you talk to somebody, if you listen to people's stories and ask people their story, truly get to know them and listen and hear, not just wait for your turn to talk, but literally listen and hear their stories, they're going to ask you questions about yourself as well. And at that point, you're just answering a question that they asked you. And as Christians, we, that's part of our identity. Jesus is going to come up a lot, probably, right? So as, as people are asking you questions. Um, so, um, so I'd encourage you just to get in the habit of learning people around you, their, their stories, and then they're going to ask you about yours. And then Jesus, as a Christian, is going to be part of your story. So that's a really natural way to get, uh, to get into that, even if your work doesn't allow it. Hey, man, I was just answering a question. That's all I was doing. So um, that's how, honestly, that's literally a strategy I used overseas where it was illegal. Um, and then I would say, um, how do we be a missionary? Uh, one thing I do want to say to that is, that um, at the end of every service, what do we ask you guys? What are you? And you say? Missionaries, right? So I know a lot of us that we want to be missionaries, but we don't want to add all these things to our schedules. We're already so busy, especially for us in in the suburbs. We already have all these different things that we're doing. And so what I would encourage you to do is, what are ways that you can be a missionary without adding a single thing onto your schedule? And one of the things that Pastor Scott taught me early on was do what you are already doing with gospel intentionality, right? So uh, PJ already talked about the sovereignty of God. What if God in his sovereignty puts you at that baseball field on that Tuesday night? Or what if God in his sovereignty puts you at that, you know, that, that shift at work that day? And we believe that God in his sovereignty has put you where you already are. And as a Christian, you have the good news that Jesus rescues sinners. So in those contexts that he has already placed you, you can be a, a, a light in a dark place. So, and I would say we also have the helper of the spirit with us. So pray for those opportunities that, okay, God, I'm going to work. Please allow an opportunity to come up. And, and here's the thing. God likes to answer that, answer that prayer. And so be ready for it and, and ask for God to give you ears to hear it and eyes to see those opportunities. And you're going to be able to do that. So, um, so those, those are the things that I would say um, when it comes to being a missionary in our context. I, and I'll just add, as the, the one of the elders, the only one that, does, that has a day job, um, I'm the only lay elder here. Uh, I make my money elsewhere. Um, that's a better way to put it. And I'll just say, you know, so often we, we, we segregate our Christian lives from our secular lives. And so we've got our Sunday, our church life, and then we have our secular life. And so if someone at your work found out you were a Christian, would they go, Really? And if, if you have trouble answering that, then maybe that's where we need to see where that, that divide has. Am I really living like a missionary? Or is it kind of like what Blake was saying that the, or what, and Scott? Like, are the way that we're living our lives, the way we treat people, the way we serve people, the way we work, just work hard at our job, does it align with what we believe about our Christian lives? And those shouldn't be segregated things. Living like a missionary means those two are on the same path. We can, we can be Christians and we can be missionaries outside of Sunday gatherings. Oh, it's back. Wait, one, one last thing. Oh, wait, should I take Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, answer into that. I will say uh, coming up in less than a week is another great opportunity to be a missionary. Uh, so what's coming up on Thursday? Right. So think about these cultural things that already happened in your life. How can you use those gospel intentionalities? So if you're about to make a big old meal, what is a good way for you to be a missionary in making Thanksgiving dinner? Invite your neighbors over. You're already making food anyway. You know you're going to have leftovers, so invite your neighbors over. And maybe in serving them in that, that's a way that you can show them the love of Christ in that. So again, there's lots of things that happen that you can already use with gospel intentionality. So, um, so this is going to be our last question. Or do you have something to add? I was going to say, yeah. we don't have time for this last question, so yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> no, go ahead. We got to get hunting. Okay, so last question before we go hunting and get to the lake is, um, so should I skip church gathering to go to sports games or go hunting or go to the lake? The answer is no. You'll have a great week, okay? So right, who, who would like to address this one? I'll, I'll start with this one. Uh, I think the answer is sometimes. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, that it's, you just need to get, get away and relax. Sometimes you need to go on vacation. Sometimes you need to, uh, to get away and just be by yourself. Now, the Scripture tells us to not forsake the gathering of ourselves together, as is the habit of some. Uh, and so we say, unless you're providentially hindered from being here, we want you to be here. And so what happens, though, like if you go, man, I'm going to go to uh, a game. Like I love to go to Mississippi State games. And so I decided a long time ago that I was going to spend Saturday night there. That I was going to come home. We were going to go be a part of our church gathering whenever we came home. And so is it wrong for me to go to Startville on a Saturday night and catch a game and spend the night and not get up and go to church gathering the next day? I'll ask you that question. Is it wrong for me to do that? Yeah, it's not wrong for me to do that every now and then, right? Uh, Typically, because of technology today, what can I do? Watch it online, right? I can watch what's happening online. Worship the Lord from my, you know, hotel room or wherever I happen to be. Is it wrong to go hunting? Is it wrong to be out in the woods? Now, so I'll ask you this question. Is it wrong to skip deer season for the entire season and not come to church on Sundays because you're in in the woods for the entire deer season? I'll answer that question for you. Yes. Whenever Whenever we choose to replace something fully with something else, what becomes the most important thing in our life? See what I'm saying? If it's, uh, now you go, what if I'm a pro athlete and that's my job and I play football on Sundays? Is it wrong for those pro athletes to skip their church service on Sunday and go uh, pl- play for the Cowboys? Where's my Cowboys fans? Where y'all at? There you are. Is it wrong for those guys to skip church and go play for the Cowboys on Sundays? Yeah, it's not, that's their... <laughs> They could do a better job at it. Uh, That's right. That's their job. But I I would hope that those guys who are Christians are finding some other places and times to gather and worship the Lord together. Uh, It just doesn't happen to be at whatever time their kickoff time is. And so I always say, we say this in our Discover class, hey, come as often as you can. There are going to be times that you're sick. There's going to be times that you need to take a vacation. There's going to be times that you choose to go hunting with your kids or whatever, your buddies. Uh, and we, we say, man, that's okay. But for, if you're not providentially hindered from any of those times, then come on and be part of your, part of your church gathering. Yeah, I'll say this as the, as the youth pastor. Um, I, I really appreciate, uh, how do I say this? Well, I, I appreciate the families that do put, uh, church over sports. I'll say that. I, I also appreciate uh, this, the families that, um, you know, let, let us know when there is that, you know, that championship game. I, I get that. But um, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, we should orient our life around, uh, around scripture first and foremost, around the community of the church. Um, and so, you know, we grew up, uh, I say we, Larissa and I, uh, where it was like, if there was a, a team that uh, required us to practice on Sunday, which I know there's pressure now, uh, it's no longer just a week thing or, you know, and uh, all the parents can say amen to that. Um, but we were, we were part of it where if it, if it was Sundays, we're out. 
And uh, obviously that could maybe change with like a championship game. But like Scott said, uh, one-offs here and there, um, get it. But it's really where are you, where, where are you prioritizing um, your week? Is it around sports? Is it around events? Or is it around scripture? Is it around community? Uh, things like that. So no, like I said, no judgment on people who don't do that every, uh, uh, every week. But um, man, and also another, another promise that we have is that uh, in students specifically, I can say, you know, we value uh, and we appreciate your time. Uh, so we're going to make it when they're here, they're going to be edified. Uh, so, um, you know, whatever they're missing in the outside games, whatever, uh, I guarantee that it's going to be, they're going to be fed here. It's going to be more important uh, here. And we, we take that seriously. So there's one other question that Dale Viox gave me last night uh, as we were, uh, we were in Nashville for a school board thing. Uh, he said, did you know that there are automobiles in the Bible? Where is this going? Yes. He said it was a Honda. He said because all the apostles were in one accord. That's... There's a, a fun fact, too. And I'm out. Do you know why we never see Jesus wearing any kind of, like, necklace? Well, he breaks every chain. We need to stop. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so uh, you, may have, you may have some more questions that maybe we didn't get to your question, or you may have some other questions uh, that are like these last two. Uh, and if, if so, by all means, we, uh, we, we have open doors. We're happy to answer any question that you give us, any question you may have about what we do, why we do things, why we believe certain things, why we make decisions the way we make decisions. By all means, please ask us. We literally will tell you anything. We'll, we'll, we'll share anything with you. Uh, we're open books for you, and so we're here to serve you. We're here to serve you, the church. And, and so uh, just uh, ask us whenever those things come up. We're, we're more than happy uh, to, to sit down and spend some time with you, uh, uh, to have a meal with you, whatever that looks like. We're, we're happy to do those kind of things. Uh, we are going to uh, wrap this up now, and uh, we'll move on to communion. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and so was this helpful? Okay, so this, honestly, the first time we've done anything like this here, and so we'll periodically do this from time to time. That way uh, uh, we can answer questions publicly, but I really appreciate your commu- uh, you know, participation. This is hugely helpful. Uh, hopefully to you and uh, edifying to you as well today.